Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we're talking about today's digital revolution. And in these times, there are revolutions of other sorts that are also taking place in our world. Some inspired by the COVID pandemic that we've been through, others by some social unrest that has hit. And clearly, the impact of technology in spreading the word and some of the images of this unrest has been quite powerful. And with us today to talk about some of that is one of our regular monthly guests, Tony Uphoff, who's the CEO of Thomas, which is the parent of Thomas Net. Uh, Tony is a influential executive blogger, thought leader on things, and somebody who's followed the media for a long time and have some interesting ideas to share. Tony, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. It's always a pleasure to see you. Hey, Bob, always enjoy our conversations and uh, great to see you. So, Tony, you know, uh, it is a little bit of an offshoot here for Cloud Wars Live these days. You know, the digital revolution was our thing, but the digital revolution has sort of become uh, interconnected, you know, inextricably with some of these other forces taking change. And I know you've, you have some interesting thoughts as somebody who's followed business, media, leadership over time, and, you know, what's going on in the world. I know you've got a number of thoughts on this, so I'm just going to hand it over to you for a while. Let her rip. Yeah, you know, Bob, it's, it's um, you know, I think many of us have, have struggled to figure out what, what is the umbrella term we put on the era we're living through right now, because we're dealing with um, a, a global pandemic and the recurrence, the reminder of, of uh, systemic racism in the United States that we're still not as far as we would like to be in, in addressing that problem. And I think these are coming at us very aggressively right now. It's a very difficult uh, time for a lot of people. I think um, it's also a time when we can start to see both positively and negatively, Bob, the influence of this era of advanced technology. Um, so the, you know, the, the, as we think about media, you know, we grew up in a, in a print-based world and television-based world. So the idea of, as, as you know the expression, if it bleeds, it leads, or the idea of, you know, controversial, you know, stuff to get people to engage and read the newspaper, watch the television, that is not new. Um, but what I think we're also starting to see, Bob, and, and it has two, two completely polar um, uh, dynamics to it, one I would argue quite positive and the other, you know, very troubling. Um, this, this monetization of rage that you can see in the social platforms. And, and let's be honest, that's exactly what it is. And um, regardless of the public posturing, Facebook's model is fundamentally to monetize rage. And as a result of that, you can have people that are misusing the platform and passing along, you know, fraudulent and crazy information just to monetize the rage and get people going. But at the other end of the spectrum, these remarkable technologies, you know, these video phones and other things that we have available to us are allowing many of us to have a much deeper dive to try to understand these things. So, Bob, it's just, to me, it's just, you know, and I don't mean to over-intellectualize an emotional situation, but it is a remarkable time in that at one end of the spectrum, we have more available to us to stop, drop, and roll, and really think about these, whether it's self-leadership or company leadership, what is happening here, right? What is going on? And making sure that I understand it, am I, am I relying on a credible source? Do I have a deeper understanding? And what does it mean to me? What does it mean for my family? What does it mean for my community? What does it mean for my company? 
And then the other end of the spectrum of this is this, um, and, and we can all be prone to it, this giving in, there's no friction in hitting send. So I can, I can contribute to the rage machine and unleash my fears and anxiety, which is really what rage is, right? Um, all over the place. And so I, I find it, Bob, both um, an inspiring time, but a frightening time. And, and I oftentimes wrestle with um, the, the industry, uh, the convergence of the industries that you and I grew up uh, in, which is the convergence of media and technology. And, I, and oftentimes I wake up in the middle of the night and think, what did we unleash here? You know, not you and me, but collectively. Um, as an optimist, I'd like to think that th this too is a good thing, that, that over time as the rage machine kind of calms down a little bit and it becomes more of a, um, of a way of understanding, a way of uh, reflection, a way of listening. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's a wild time. It, it really is. And I'm not sure as a uh, quote unquote media professional and, and, and somewhat of a tech professional that, that I have a, a real handle on what's happening right now other than um, it, it's, uh, it feels like change is afoot. And as usual, technology is in the middle of it. Um, and whether technology, Bob, is driving some of this or enabling some of this or some combination um, is, is unclear, but it feels like there's something going on in there. Yeah, Tony, I sure agree. There, there's a lot going on and it's going to uh, take a little bit of time, to, I think, for all of us to get a sense of what is going on, what should be going on. Are we being pulled ahead by events that are taking us in directions that maybe aren't the best way to go? Or is this an inevitable thing that comes with change? It can be a little scary, painful, uh, disorienting at sometimes, I think, as you've mentioned there. But Tony, one of the things that comes back to me about, and I, I'd like your, your comments about, you know, the technologies we have today. And sometimes, you know, watching some of these images on television, you, if, if you see a video of something that is professionally shot, Right? It's almost like, well, that's got to be phony. Uh, you know, we've come to think of reality as sort of shaky cam, uh, you know, uh, out of a handheld phone. And these other things are slick or overproduced. So we've almost come to think that it's the, you know, citizen journalists or things like that. But that's true. And then at the same time, you get these points of view from dozens or hundreds or thousands of different perspectives. And at a time of so much energy, so much emotion, so much, uh, you know, in some ways chaos, it is, it's hard to know what's going on. And it points back to that fact of technology stuff, you know, it's sort of dumb metal plastic and digits in there. And it's, it's not the good or the bad thing. It exposes us to some things. And really, like you said, with a stop, drop and roll, we, we have to be, we have to exercise some forethought and some wisdom and what we do with all that, that staggering input that, that we're all met with every day. Well, and Bob, you know, you're, you're spot on as usual. I think one of the things that I've been giving a lot of thought to, you know, certainly with the pandemic and, and, and with the, the, the racial um, protests and some of the challenges that we're seeing there um, is to the extent that I, I'm going to sound like I've been reading uh, the Stoics here. Um, <laughs> Is, is don't let fear overtake you. Because, you know, rage and all those things can come from a lot of different things. 
but oftentimes what fear will do is push you to the polar opposite. And, and it doesn't allow you to think, it paralyzes you. And so I, I think one of the things that's very hard in today's world is to, is to I don't know if it's the right way to think about it is slow down, but to, to, to have a process you go through to evaluate to your point, is this a source that makes sense? And, and is there some logic behind it? Is it an alternative point of view? And be able to evaluate those things to educate yourself. And I think there's both more information available today. The problem is the noise to signal ratio is harder than it's ever been to really understand. You know, life was easier when there were three major newspapers and three major uh, television stations, because at least everybody was hearing the same thing, right? You know, now, golly, I, I don't even know, you know, some of these things. And, and it's also clear that some of these platforms, bad actors can get a hold of these platforms and weaponize them. And, and yeah. you know, we don't need to debate that. We're seeing it, we're witnessing it. And so it's, um, it's a time where I think, you know, I, I, I use the expression of self-leadership and it's something we, we uh, talk a lot about at Thomas and I hope it's not just talk, um, but enabling people in the company to, to manage themselves and to self-manage and understand things as opposed to have to be wait to told, be told what to do or what to think or any of those types of things. I think on a broader perspective, you know, certainly outside of our company. I think this is a moment in time that I think it's important for all of us to, to kind of paraphrasing a little bit of what you said, Bob, self-management doesn't sound like a particularly attractive statement, um, but I think it is a time where um, as citizens, you know, as, you know, for the sake of humanity, we need to think about what's happening and think deeply and and not swing the pendulum to one side or the other even if we perceive there is a side but really as you said earlier try to understand why are some of these things happening why now and to the extent that we can what is it that we as individuals can do about it and and i think that's where this area of of listening educating ourselves and and within um what we're capable of doing taking some level of action yeah, Tony, you know, I, I like what you said, too, about the, you know, when there were the three networks and all. <clears throat> and I remember uh, growing up, uh, there was very little television watched at our house. But one of the things when my dad would come home from work, he liked to watch Walter Cronkite, the six o'clock news. And I was struck as a kid that at the end of this thing where they'd show these, you know, black and white, sometimes color images from all over the world. And then this wise guy with the deep voice at the end, he would say, and that's the way it is. Now, can you imagine somebody here in 2020 having uh, whatever it is, you know, the audacity, the, the confidence or the, to the sheer bullshit to say, uh, you know, that's the way I know how it is. And uh, we, we, you know, he was some, at the time, some sort of cultural icon. There's other places that we sort of look to. But we all have our own points of view on this. And to some degree, I'm not saying that there's no right or wrong in this. There's very clear right and wrong. But our interpretations of it and then our instinct, well, if that's the way it is, then how about this? How about that? So, um, and I was, Tony, I got to say, too, I was really struck a couple times earlier today. I've had a couple fairly lengthy conversations with my older daughter, who is in that millennial generation and is five and a half months pregnant. So she is now talking about what the world her little girl is going to uh, grow up and what that will be like. So um, 
there, this craziness will pass. And what will that craziness yeah. lead us to? And yeah. that's the thing where I think, you know, the leadership, the grownups, the, the sense of, you know, righteous indignation about the right things, but also a sense maybe of a little bit of humility on all our parts that nobody knows that's the way it is. It, that is a f terribly false construct. So how do we start to rebuild, you know, we think about trust in business, trust in cybersecurity. What about trust in, you know, person to person? So we can all get some sense of, uh, we might not all agree on everything, but how do we start to get to some of those fundamental issues that will provide the foundation for where we go forward from here? Yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's heavy stuff, right? I mean, it, these are big, weighty, heavy issues. And before we got started today, Bob, we were talking about <clears throat> the millennial generation, which is, as you and I'm sure most of your listeners know, um, in 2017, for the first time in history, another generation, the same size as the largest generation ever created, which is the baby boom generation, was not only, um, you know, ha had been, you know, uh, created, if you will, they were in the workforce at the exact same time. And it's created some fascinating dynamics. And you and I were, were kind of casually touching on a couple of interesting things. If you go back to the 60s, which was also a time of, um, of, of a lot of, uh, um, you know, protests, whether it was for the Vietnam War or around racial injustice. Um, but it was also a time of, it doesn't seem like it today, but new technology, and it seems ridiculous to say, but the advent of a portable radio was new in the early 60s. And it fundamentally changed the way that back then young baby boomers could express themselves. They could, you know, they could move away from the family living room where they had to listen to, I don't know what, Lawrence Welk or whatever the hell mom and dad were listening to. They could go in their room and listen to rock and roll music. And frankly, the Beatles wouldn't exist as we know it today had the portable radio not been created because it opened the door for those types of things. I also think about, you know, many of that, those, those young at the time, baby boom generation, they wanted to be heard. They went out in the streets and they went on college campuses. And again, right, wrong, or indifferent, however you feel about it, I think there is, you know, as the, as the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young uh, song says, you know, there's something happening here from that era, I think we're seeing something, perhaps not the exact same thing, but I think that interesting combination, Bob, of, of liberating technology that can be used and misused, but also a, a, a groundswell of a large generation who are coming of age. They're young adults, they're in the workforce, they're, they're in management positions. And um, I, that doesn't suggest that everything they're saying is right. That doesn't suggest it, any of those types of things. But I think what we're seeing is some just, um, and again, I hate to over-intellectualize something that's a, a, a very emotive experience, but I, I think we're seeing some, some fascinating trends that I hope we get to a point in the near future where we can look at the fascination and less the horror. Of, of what we're seeing and, and, and witnessing to an extent. And amen. I, I, I hear that, Tony. And, you know, I like the, that line that, you know, there's something happening here. And I'd like the follow up line. What it is ain't exactly clear. Well, we're, we're surely right. there. How apocryphal, Bob. Yeah, we're, we're surely there now. And, you know, I, I thought it was uh, fascinating. Um, six, seven weeks ago when Microsoft had its uh, quarterly earnings call, 
after saying hello and greeting everyone, the very first thing that CEO Satya Nadella said is we have undergone two years of digital transformation in the last yep. two months. <clears throat> so this, the, the pace of change, the pace at which uh, external forces like pandemics come crashing into an already kind of frantic world. Uh, these young people are going to grow up with a set of expectations that I don't mean they're out of step with what, you yeah. know, some of the more seasoned folks think, but wow, it, it, not instant gratification, but it's almost like instant disruption and constant disruption and the way things are moving like this. So the, this ability to harness the power of leadership, the power of uh, a sense of calm, a uh, little bit of patience, a little bit of wisdom, and to see, you know, what impact can this technology then have on what you want to do, driven so much by what people out in the world, as more of our lives become digital, triggered in some ways by this pandemic, you know, really has sort of hypercharged the digital stuff. So all of those things, you know, cascading together is going to make for, uh, you know, a, a six months, a second half of 2020, and certainly 2021, I think the likes of which we've never seen. But I, I want to be like you. I want to share that optimism about it. But we've got to put in the time to think, to reflect, and to have the courage to change what needs to be changed. But also that wisdom to say, you know what? Um, there are some pretty good things going on in, in the world yeah. here. And let's try to maintain yeah. those. And let's change whatever it has that, whatever it is well that said. needs to be changed. Yeah, well said. And Tony, you know, Along those lines, one of the other ideas you, you tossed out today, I'd love to get your ideas on this. So as all this stuff is roiling, and even, um, you know, in, in the business world, uh, Nadella's thing about uh, two years of transformation crammed into two months, you had this idea about virtual brainstorming. Now it's 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 a great phrase. What's it mean? And uh, yeah, how quick how quickly do you think this can become real? Well, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't become an oxymoron, Bob, and something we look back on and think, oh, I can't believe we said that. Let me see if I can link the two issues, though, right? So, you know, we were talking about um, technology and cultural change happening at warp speed and, 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 you know, as optimists, you know, what are the through lines from this that could be positives? One of the things that, that we're looking at at our company, but I talk to a, a lot of other uh, executives at other companies that that do what I would consider to be knowledge work. And there, there's a consistent refrain, which is, hey, we can say whatever we want about the office and a return to office. You could throw a party and nobody shows up, meaning they now can work remotely. And so you can say, hey, Bob, your office is all set. Why don't you come back? And I think we may see a fascinating dynamic of you know, employees saying, I'm good, thanks. I'll stay right here. And so that's an interesting dynamic. I think, you know, this whole, great, let's throw the office doors open. And I, I, I say this as somebody who has a, an, an office in midtown Manhattan. I'm talking about those kind of environments. And, and I think because of the complexity of high density commutes, it's, it's partly the office, but the, the throughput coming into a relatively small physical footprint with 8 million people every day has got a lot of people thinking, eh. You know, I wouldn't mind being in my office if I could somehow get in there by helicopter or something. So, so what, what might 
what might happen, you know, that we extend a little bit. And I'm not trying to make an argument that everything becomes remote and offices go away. I'm not making that argument. But I don't think you can put the horse back in the barn at this stage. I think the, the trend line of more flexible workforce, combination of, of remote work, you'd be a great example of this, Bob, in the way that you run your business. That's not new. That's been around for the better part of two decades. I think what's happening is the technology is, is doubling in its capability. And we're, we're seeing that Moore's law applied to this ability to be productive remotely. And we've now just all proved it to ourselves, which is gonna open up some opportunities. Okay, so now let me, let me touch on this idea of brainstorming, right? So what, one of the things that we worried about as a company a great deal is, and you know this from, from our um, uh, being colleagues through the years and friends through the years, I struggle to talk without a whiteboard nearby <laughs> where I get up and diagram stuff and point arrows and all that kind of stuff. And it's a bit of my process, but I'm not alone in that. Many people do that. And so I thought initially when we made the transition, I was really going to struggle because oftentimes if it was a group meeting, you know, I'd put four or five bullet points up on a whiteboard, let people come in, kind of digest it, we'd have at it. And that's how the process would work. It's amazing to me how how quickly we moved past that. Now, part of that is, oh, platforms. I don't know if you're familiar with a platform called Miro, but it's a it's a you know it's a digital kind of whiteboarding, brainstorming, uh, and I, I will say it's not for the faint of heart to learn how to use it. it. It's it, and I'm not being critical. I'm not giving a user review here, but it 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 takes some getting used to. But I have to say, for probably maybe our product teams and our tech teams have been using it for probably less than six weeks and to see the impact that it's having is really remarkable to me so what's got what it's got me thinking a little bit about is will this idea of um and again i hate the term virtual brainstorming but you know let's call it digital or remote brainstorming or put something on it that doesn't sound so temporary um, it's a little like what we've seen through the years in the idea of what people call digital events, you know, a webinar, online learning. These are all versions of digital events. And it doesn't mean that the live event goes away. It doesn't mean the classroom goes away. But if you look at those things every year, they just keep getting a little bit bigger, a little more sophisticated. The user experience gets a little bit better. And I think oftentimes as trend watchers, we tend to get stuck on the zero sum game. Ah, so if this idea of digital, you know, brainstorming takes off, therefore we'll never be in an office again. And I think that, you know, history teaches us that, that the world doesn't actually work that way. But we're, we're beginning to wonder if this idea, right, of, of being able to brainstorm the way we are right now, but in ways where the visual as opposed to just the audio component of it could become interactive and saved and, and shared, um, might be something that that uh, that, that continues forward, and, and perhaps we could see some really interesting um, leaps in productivity. I, I give an example. You know, the company Zoom. You know, everybody's gotten very familiar with. We're using Zoom technology as we do this podcast right now. Everybody in the world's paying attention to Zoom. I I, I wish I was a Zoom shareholder. I'm not. Uh, but that being said, if you're running Zoom, you gotta be kind of worried about some things that may come next because they don't have a network effect. The functionality of it as a software and the cost of switching. So 
you know, can I just switch to another platform and all that kind of stuff is incredibly low. So how does Zoom escalate the cost of switching? Well, they have to add functionality, right? They have to add features and functionality. And I'm not, you know, a product designer for Zoom, but if I was there, I'd certainly be having a team explore this idea of how do people really work? How could they break into smaller groups? How could they start to do the equivalent of, and I keep using the metaphor of the whiteboard, but how could we do those types of things? And, and I, um, I'm long on that concept. I'm not long on Zoom stock because I don't know enough about the company, but, but I'm long on that concept. And um, I, I, I guess I would just say, Bob, I think different than the idea of a virtual event, which never really took off because it was trying to replicate completely a physical event with avatars and all this stuff. And that stuff really never got, you know, it, it worked. But if you go back and realize digital events have been around for 20 years now, webinars, you know, courses, online learning, video tutorials, those are versions, right, of digital events, speaking broadly here. So I, I, I guess where I'm going with this is, <clears throat> I think this idea of the, the um, digital tools that enable more uh, constructive brainstorming, the type that would happen in a physical office, seems inevitable to me that that's going to take root. And I think that may be one of the positives that, that goes forward with us from, from this era. Um, Tony, you're, uh, you're much more sort of hip with movies and all that than I am. What was the movie Tom Cruise was in where they were predicting crimes before they happened? AI. AI. Uh, well, in that movie, that was one of the first times I saw At least you know, I think it was AI. The guy just sort of in space, you know, he was manipulating a screen or an image, you know, a touchscreen just in the air. And uh, I, I thought that that was kind of wild. But some things that Microsoft is doing with HoloLens, yeah. and I've really been surprised that they've gone somewhat unchallenged in that market. But a couple of the car companies said, you know, we've shaved months off of our product development things by having remote teams, you know, it's engineering over here, manufacturing over here, designers and some customers getting together and saying, you know, if you move this over here a little bit, put this over here on the dashboard. So I, I think you're, you're really up to something because then one of the flip sides of this virtual world that people are getting into is you can access the talent from everywhere. So, you know, in, in an office, you're confined by the people who are in that office. But I think that, you know, done properly and bringing almost more content and context to these video meetings would be wild. But then Tony, I think it's interesting as well, you know, and the whole pendulum advanced and coming back a little, one of your things that you also thought about today was, you know, we've tried to stamp on it, you know, uh, complain about it, ban it, but email, email comes back and it's a, it can be a, you know, it, it's an enduring uh, element of our lives, isn't it? Rod, you know, it, it, it reminds me, you know, email is the Rodney Dangerfield of, of <laughs> digital platforms. You know, every, every year we're like, oh, I get too many emails. It's just stupid. I can't believe it. I still use email. And uh, I, I'm looking for an alternative. And every year we come up with some alternative. Well, it's going to be the year of uh, all instant messaging and Slack messages. And we're going to get rid of email as we know it. And every year email just very patiently grows between 5 and 10% in terms of usage. And... And, it, and it's soaring right now, as you probably know, Bob, as a marketing platform. Um, and, you know, this is a 40-year-old platform. And, and uh, you know, technically speaking, I'll toot 
uh, your horn and my horn here, I believe, uh, technically speaking, while it wasn't 40 years ago, you and I are responsible for the very first commercial email newsletter, which we created, uh, which was called the, pardon the, the sort of funny name, but Information Week Daily. And uh, I believe we were written up in the history books. Is, and what that means is basically we sold the first ad in an email newsletter, I think is pretty much uh, what that meant. But all kidding aside, looking at that, um, this year with the pandemic, particularly for companies that perhaps had a disruption of a, a trade show or other things, we're seeing a, a significant increase, double digit increase overall in B2B marketing through you know, just very simple email marketing. And it's kind of a fascinating dynamic. And I think there's, there's a couple of things at play here. I think one is um, we tend to us underestimate the efficiency of what email really does for us. And I think people tend to think of when they're, when they're trying to come at it with a different product orientation is they tend to come at the nuisance level of unwanted email. And that's absolutely true, but that was true in physical mail as well. You got junk mail. And you know, remember the old days, you'd stand at your, at your you know, mailbox with a trash can and you'd, you'd throw away the stuff you didn't want and then you'd take the stuff you want. There's no difference with the inbox, but the difference here, I think for business professionals is what email has allowed us to do is it is both an inbox but for a lot of people, it actually is a little bit of an agenda setting. So at any point in time, say early in the morning, oftentimes your email becomes a priority list for you, right? Your boss might email you, a, a spouse around some scheduling issue or a friend or whatever. So it's an organizing mechanism beyond just the give and take of communication. And I think that's the piece of the puzzle that disruptors looking at email haven't quite figured out yet you know an inbox is a very powerful metaphor it it i'm taking in this information but it, it, you know different than just a physical inbox i wasn't setting my schedule what based on what was in my physical inbox you know i wasn't around in the in the 50s when that was the way you know you communicated with your boss was by memo you know i came up in 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 the in reasonably in the electronic age so i think there's something to this um, I was going to call it legacy, the enduring legacy of, of email that's really kind of interesting. And, and I, uh, um, I'm intrigued to see some level of innovation. You know, it's not like it stayed static for 40 years. That would be, that would be inaccurate. You know, it's got all kinds, you know, email, modern email's got all kinds of bells and whistles and really cool features to it. But fundamentally, it does the same thing that it did 40, 40 years ago. So I just find it in a, in a, a market that's always, you know, newer, faster, better. Um, I, I, I don't know that, that uh, it, it seems like most people are saying, hey, I, I like email just fine, thanks. You're saying that email is the cockroach of the tech industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, it, it certainly seems to uh, survive. Now, the, the recent one is uh, Basecamp has come out with kind of a clever marketing that you may have seen where they, they, they are, are um, suggesting that they've got a new, new, uh, you know, uh, dynamic on on email, and it's going to be a revolutionary new new way to think of email. Um, so we'll see. Maybe somebody's built a better mousetrap that I just haven't seen it yet. All right, all right, and Tony. I, I want to make a confession. 
uh, about this. And then I, I want to touch on the space-time continuum because the confession is that uh, when I first started using text messages, I noticed that my daughters, teenagers at the time, uh, I could I could actually connect with them more frequently and get response from the, using text. But the problem was I was just writing text messages as if they're email messages. So, you know, they'd be uh, eight screens long. And uh, I got... I got taken to the woodshed pretty vigorously about that in no uncertain terms. I learned about that. So we have to, you know, I had to learn to understand the medium to its proper thing, but the space time thing, right. We're talking about virtual who's in offices, who's uh, working from home and the disruptions that that's going to cause. Cause like you said, a lot of people are going to say, no, I'm, I'm good right here. That the hour and 30 minute commute was terrific, but I, I, I enjoy the 15 second walk upstairs, but, so that's sort of the space angle of it and the time angle on the space time continuum I would mention since you mentioned the information week daily. So for our, our dear friends watching, so there was information week, a weekly magazine. And then in the digital era, you know, there was the website and then the newsletter came out and it, it, as Tony said, it was daily, but it was information week daily, which is a little oxymoronic. And as it grew, there was an idea, remember to start an offshoot of it, but, until it proved itself, it had to be weekly. So one of our colleagues, Jack Soot, said, so let me get this straight. It's going to be information week, <laughs> daily, weekly. And uh, we, we had to come to grips a little bit with, okay, okay, okay. What's sort of cool and clever and all interconnected to us is going to maybe not go over quite so well in the outside world. So again, one of those things, let, let's, let's think hard about what we're doing and uh, what, you know, the brilliance we're unleashing on the world. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it, what's fascinating is in, in the chronology of things, that wasn't that many years ago. You know, the, 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 the digital revolution in media has really taken place in just the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. It hasn't been a 40-year-long uh, uh, run there. And, and I, I think what, to me, is, um, is really interesting is, you know, these, these incremental tools, particularly for business professionals, um, things like, and I'm not touting any one of these platforms, but we do use many of these platforms that we've mentioned, things like Basecamp and Jira and, and uh, Slack, they're not all the same thing, but I think what's starting to happen, and you and I've seen these cycles before, is we're niching out components of the software industry. We're finding vertical slices, you know, and, and I think one of the reasons that you know, email hasn't been completely displaced is in and of itself, it's a fine horizontal platform, but there are vertical applications of communication Instant messaging would be a fantastic one. You know, brief bursts, not that are time sensitive, not long form communication. You know, I oftentimes will, will instruct somebody that I work with of, hey, text me if it's time sensitive, don't send an email mm -hmm. and don't write a long form bit of content in a text. You know, these are, you know, the form should follow function here a little bit. But I think what you and I have touched on before, too, and email is a good example of this, is we're watching, and it's not new, but this idea, it's almost like what we saw happen in the semiconductor industry, where, you know, ASICs and other things started to, to look at these deeply vertical component and specialized pieces. It feels to me like that dynamic of the software industry is accelerating. And I think that's exciting, because I think what it does is it creates opportunities, you know, certainly creates more opportunities for us as consumers, but I think there's a lot more business opportunities uh, around 
um, as long as we can keep some of these smaller niche players alive long enough before fill in the blank buys them and takes them off the market. But yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Tony, another 40 year old uh, item that I wanted to ask you about is uh, this shirt that I have. Um, and I, I want to email you said is valuable. It's, it's holding up. It's doing this thing. How about my outfit before we go? Do you have any, you know, we've talked about some big issues here today and I, I'd like to get your public commentary on, you know, the, the black shirt. How am I coming across? Bob, in deference to our, our friendship, which spans some 20 plus years, uh, I learned early on that there were two areas where it was better for me not to, um, to deeply engage you around for fear of offending you. So one was in your sartorial splendor, which I respect a great deal. And look, I, I was an admirer of Steve Jobs. You were rocking the black turtleneck before Steve Jobs rocked the black turtleneck. So I just want to go on record as saying that. The second is your food choices. And so I have learned through the years that those are two areas that I deeply respect our relationship and friendship. Uh, privately, I mock you uh, very much on both your choices in those areas. Uh, but I think publicly here in a forum like this, it would be remarkably inappropriate. But if people wanted to reach out to me individually via email, of course, I could, you know, perhaps give them a little background information on, uh, on both. Uh, uh, discreet, honorable, uh, as always, Tony. Thank you. Um, hey, we, we, we have touched on a lot of things. I want to be sure that you have a chance to, to get a last word in here, a, you know, just a broad thought that you want to leave folks with. Hey, you know what? I, I always enjoy our conversations, Bob, and, and <clears throat> I don't want anybody listening to this to, to think we're, we're taking light uh, or thinking lightly about the topics of the day. These are, these are, man, are these complicated times. And again, I struggle as somebody who fancies I'm reasonably articulate to, to put into context the era we're living through right now. And, and uh, um, I, I think what, what I, I find in, and is helping certainly at our company and helping um, uh, myself is uh, kind of how we started the conversation, Bob, using these times as an opportunity to deeply listen and, and reflect, take in different points of view, try to understand what's happening, um, and, and don't be too quick to want to speak and volunteer opinions and those types of things. This is something that is not new, but it's being accelerated through the use of new and advanced technologies, which is always a very scary area to be in because you can see a lot of false positives and negatives into what's going on out there. And so I, I'm, I'm not giving advice to your listeners. I'm looking in the mirror when I say, you know, I think this is a time for listening, for discussion like what we're doing, uh, to, to listen deeply and and reflect on that and then as is appropriate for you take the actions that you think if that's areas of improvement or education or or other actions then please take the time to do that i i i, I don't think it's a time for sloganeering and i don't think it's a time for um manipulating this through through marketing because I think that's wrong and that's a I'll, I'll go on regular saying it's a personal opinion but it's backed by a lot of years of professional experience um, I think this is a time for um, individual management and individual responsibility as opposed to public proclamations yeah yeah Tony well said well said um, 
thanks for your candor and insights and you know your your willingness to address some tough issues right now but that's what uh that's that's what we're here for and i think you've you've uh you've offered everybody a lot of things to think about tony so thanks very much for that great great discussion with you thank you hey, it's great to see you uh bob stay safe stay sane my friend and look forward to catching up soon take all care right. thanks tony folks thanks to all of you for being with us here at cloud wars live same back at you let's get through these tricky times uh be smart and take good care we look forward to seeing you next time